0: I invite your attention to 1 John chapter 3, I plan to finish the second half of uh, chapter 3 this morning. The message title is Love in Action, 1 John 3, 11 to 24, title Love in Action. About two and a half weeks ago, uh, Mary, Faith, and I, we went to Schaeferstown High School to do our, our share of cleaning prior to first day of school. If you have children in school, you know that that's part of being a patron. It's school cleaning. Schaeferstown had it very well organized, and we located a room that we were supposed to clean, and then did the, went to the lists, and it said what's left to clean this room was uh, cleaning the windows, wiping down the walls, and vacuuming the floor. It sounded simple. So Faith got to work on what she could reach on taking care of the walls, and uh, uh, I'll let you know a small hint. Uh, Windows and I don't go very well. I do not like cleaning windows. Uh, I'll wash your vehicle and it's all nice and clean and oh, that'll work. And you hit, you drive towards the sun, you realize that you made a major error. So that being said, Mary got to work on the, on the windows and I headed for the, the room, got the vacuum and it started sweeping the floor. And if you ever swept a floor, it's not very hard. You take the vacuum, move it across the floor, simple as counting to three. And then you see, I, I saw dirt laying on the floor, which after a lot of work in the school, this is obvious, this dirt's gonna appear. And I'd take the vacuum over this piece of dirt and I pull it away and the piece of dirt was gone, but I could hear the dirt just winging around in the head. The head had a power nozzle, if you know what I mean. And, well, what's going on? So well, here's some more dirt and it kept on spinning around in there. So I, I tilt the sweeper to the side and shoop, the dirt spit out the side. Well, we got a problem. And uh, it's like the sweeper. I had the to right tool for the job and the sweeper was designed to, to clean the floor. By the way, it looks good up here. The sweeper was designed to clean the floor, but it was not fulfilling its intended purpose. The sweeper had a, a small problem not fulfilling its intended purpose. Now we gotta take that story and I'll pick up a little bit more on that later. Now we are not vacuum sweepers. That's, that's not where we're gonna be ended up here, but we were created for a purpose. We were designed by God. We were created in His, in His image and we are to, to glorify God, to exalt Him and as we're going to see here in the first verse that we're going to read here just shortly, we were designed and our purpose is to love one another. Let's read 1 John 3 verses 11 through 13 at this time. Again, message title is Love in Action. John 3, 1 John 3, I'm sorry, 1 John three eleven. For this is a message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. John goes on, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We'll stop there. We were created for a purpose, and that is, one of them is to love one another. So are we faithfully fulfilling our God-designed purpose? One of the things we want to look at this morning is that when we follow the example of Jesus, our love for others will lead us to action. When we follow his example, the love within us will lead us to action. So John starts off here partway through this chapter saying that we should love one another. And he had already emphasized this point in an earlier chapter And he also remembered uh, the command of Jesus, Jesus in John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, that you should love one another. And Jesus tells us how. He says, as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. And Jesus provides an excellent example. As we go through life and circumstances arise, situations come up, trials and relationships are strained. How should we handle this? We can always go back to the fact that to do it, respond in a way that Jesus would. Love, as being used here, is a continuing practice to love. It's an ongoing daily practice. And what it actually should be, it should be our lifestyle. So we could ask, I could ask myself the question, you could as well, as we travel through life, is my life reflecting Jesus Christ in the way that I love and treat and my relationship with others. So the basic Christian message, if you could put it that way, has not changed. We are to love one another. And yes, at times we're going to be, this will be put to test. At times to say, well, that is difficult. And while we all understand that, our basic goal should be to love the brothers and sisters of the church. Our basic goal should be to have love one for another. You may have heard it said, some people think that because as Christians, we talk about our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't want to downplay that whatsoever. That is very important. Uh, your, your daily time with the Lord is important. I trust you're taking time for that. And you, consider, you count that as, as very precious. So people think, well, so it's just about uh, Jesus and I. This is what really matters, just me and Christ. And I repeat, that is important. But the way we treat others And the way we love one another is what really matters to God. So the question could be asked, how are we to love? And John goes on with the next verse and says, not like Cain. And he describes how Cain, Cain's life, not how he tried to love. But Cain is a negative example. We read how he is one that was not right with God. The Bible says his deeds for evil. He failed to love. He failed to fulfill his intended purpose, like that vacuum sweeper that I was talking about. Abel came and offered his offering, and it revealed to Cain, Cain became aware, that, oh, I'm not giving my best to God. So instead of Cain going back and changing his ways, his jealous anger drove him to harm the innocent. Cain resented the fact that his brother's offering was accepted, And God rejected his. We can read about that in Genesis 4. So we know these two guys were brothers. So if we step back just a little bit into their their family life, I think you would agree with me that both Cain and Abel had a godly upbringing with their parents. They probably taught them right. But then it came to a point in life of decision time. And Cain, because of the process of things that happened, he made a decision that he... Is going to hate. His disobedience stemmed from what? It was a lack of faith. And then notice the progression. His lack of faith led him to hatred, which was based upon his pride. And then his, his, uh, the sin of hatred led him to an action against the one that he hated, which was his own brother. So here we see an example of how we're not, what we are not to do. This is not how we are to love. But just to throw in a tidbit of information here, love will not persecute righteousness. Love will not persecute righteousness. And we think about how relating to to each other and how obviously we see the example there of Cain. So in the process of time, we see Cain committed the first recorded murder. Cain didn't have that real sense of God's care and blessing upon his life. He was of the wicked one. He became jealous. He became envious of his own brother. He did not love him. He hated him and he murdered him. So we can learn from Cain uh, that we can, what we can learn from Cain that we need to learn from somebody else's mistake and not to follow his example. Then in verse 13, right after talking about Cain for one verse, John comes back using the example of Cain and says, he tells us, don't be surprised if the world hates you. If we look to Matthew 24, 9, Jesus speaking, he says, you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So this is going to happen. Marvel not, brethren, if the world hates you. And what happens is righteousness provokes hostility in those that belong to Satan. And we see that clearly in the life of Cain and Abel. The world will despise the child of God. And the reason is upright people make the unrighteous aware of or what, they, or what they are doing and their immoral way of living. And that was clear with Cain. So Abel brought his offering and the Lord accepted it. And it made Cain aware that, oh, I'm not accepted here. I'm not doing what is right. And it's the same way in the world today. So don't be surprised if the world hates you. People are going to, uh, the world are going to see something in the life of the Christian that they do not have. And Cain could have stood back and said, whoa, I'm wrong here. I need to bring up my best. I need to do my part. But no, instead he became jealous. And sadly, speaking to the world today, many are not willing to make changes required so they can live that life of integrity, which follows the life of a believer. And what do they do? They do exactly what Cain did, and it turns them to jealousy. So brothers and sisters, just be careful with the world. Does not appreciate what you're doing. Remember, this started many, many years ago. So when we see this scenario, I'm convinced we can clearly see why the Lord tells us to love one another. Even when we face a time when it's the hardest to love, we need to remember our purpose is to glorify God and to love one another and to point others to Christ above all why are we here so we can show others the way to christ and brothers and sisters you take the love of, of god out of our hearts out of our lives we will never never lead anyone to christ because that's what we need to show others the way to salvation and jesus gave that perfect example that we are to follow so again when we follow the example of jesus our love for others will lead us to action Second point, love leads to life. That's three verses 14 and 15. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brethren abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and we know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And John starts out by saying, We know. We know, and here we have some, some genuine, we see genuine confidence in John's pen. We can have assurance that those who love their fellow Christians have passed, have bypassed the attitudes of hatred and the attitudes of jealousy and the traps of bitterness, which we know so much about. And have also known as the place of death. We have bypassed that, delivered from, can we say delivered from hell, and passed into eternal life. And it all base, it's all based back on our love and our compassion, one for another. Love, showing love is proof that a person has passed from death to life. And we're speaking here of spiritual death, a spiritual death and eternal death. Also, a love for God's people is a sure sign of a born again believer. We got to go through life without that hatred in our lives. We got to go through life just not being we cannot be like Cain. We got to have that love one for another. The love to love others is the highest welfare. It's to seek the highest welfare of every human being. Are we doing that? Seeking the highest welfare of others, even those that may be difficult just to show love and compassion to. Love could be described using the acronym JOY, Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. And so many times we get that muffled and we start changing some things around, and most times we want ourselves to come out on top. But Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. And as I was studying this, I I came to the conclusion that it would have been nice if John would have omitted the last sentence in verse 14. And of course, I'm not here to take away, but he said, He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. You know, if love is not evident in our lives, our salvation can be questioned. But if it is there, it gives us assurance. The absence of love will lead to hatred and eventually, before long, spiritual death. Why, on the other hand, love leads to eternal life. <clears throat> Those who do not love abide, which means to dwell or live or move in death, for love does not hate. And John makes this so clear in verse, first, in verse 15. I, I do not like to use the word murder. It's just a harsh word, but John says, if you do not love your brother... And you could, we could look at the word brother and define that for a while. And I think that's people that we come in contact with, people that we know. If there's any hatred within our hearts, so take your heart and put it into your hand a little bit and just examine it clearly. Is there any hatred there? And who's that towards? And it says that falls in the category of being a murderer. Hating uh, love to hate is equal to a murderer. And back to this murder, not that we're going to carry out the action, But even when we wish that person wasn't there, it's the same as murder. Love is the only security against hate. Cain made a decision. Abel did too. his his decision proved that he was righteous. Cain's decisions proved that he was not. We have decisions to make as we go through life. And we can choose one or the other. And it seems like if we allow some hatred and some bitterness and some roots of that to grow in our hearts, it's going to grow. But we need to unroot that, pull that out, and replace that with hate. Love is the only security against hate. Barker, I quote, I read, In the heart there is no difference. To hate is to despise, to cut off from relationship, and to murder is simply the fulfillment of that attitude. Brothers and sisters, we need to get rid of the hate if there's any there. Spurgeon, one we quote quite often, and he he says it well, every man who hates another has the venom of murder in his veins. Like this, wait a minute, Spurgeon, you're getting kind of strong here, but we had that venom of murder in our veins. He says, continues, he may not actually take the deadly weapons into his hand and destroy life, but if he wishes that his brother were, was out of the way, if he'd be glad that that person never existed, that feelings amounts to murder in the judgment of God. So hate, Envy, uh, bitterness, jealousy—if that's—if that's that's within, we need to take that out. So we see how love is going to lead to life. Then John makes a clear statement that those who have any hatred in their hearts will not see eternal life. Verse fifteen: the no murderer, which we could look at, no one who has any hatred in his heart has eternal life abiding in him. I also. Said ooh, I said we need to, that word murder. We also need to be careful how we use the word hate. You use it only for wrongdoing, you know, not for hating people. Hate can be directed towards evils like intolerance and injustice, but not injustice, but not towards people. Moving on to the third point, love will sacrifice for others. Verses 16 through 18. Hereby precede we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So earlier we looked at Cain for an example, and he was how we, the example of hate. Now we look to Jesus Christ for an true, for example of true love. And this is such a beautiful story, how how he laid down his life for us. When? When we were without strength. When we were totally unable to help ourselves. It goes further. When we were ungodly sinners, when we were enemies to God. The bottom line, Jesus loved us to the point of dying for us when we were actually rejecting God. He must have saw some potential in those who someday would accept him, but Christ died for those who hated him, and that, brothers and sisters, is the picture of love. Christ died for those who hated him, so tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, you might face something very, very difficult. Just go back to the fact that what Christ did for you and for me Loved us while we hated him. Well, how did he love? I said he took, he uh, he gave his life. And back on that, just a little bit, we need to remember that no man took the life of Jesus. No man took the life of Jesus. A while back, I was studying to to preach a message, and I studied how the Drew, the Jews cried, crucified him, and the Roman soldiers nailed him to the cross. And in, in that time, we. Uh, there was a, we had a, had a meal for, at Terry Hill High School. The board members were there, and they played a game afterwards. And the question was asked to me, who, t- who took the life of Jesus? And I repeat, I was just studying this and how the Jews cried, crucified him. It was actually the Roman soldiers that, that took Jesus, and they put him on the cross and drove. And I was thinking about that, and I gave the wrong answer. You can about imagine what I said. And to this day, I remember that. It's very embarrassing because I said, well, I said the Jews cried, crucified him, but the Romans actually him, uh, killed him, nailed him to the cross. And the and the person that was having the quiz said, no, actually, Jesus gave his life. No man took it. And, 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 and that is the actual truth. He gave his life for you and I. And now today, because of his example, we are called to give sacrificially to those in need because of the example that he set for us. It's such so beautiful how John laid this, this, these verses out. When I started studying here in First John, one of the commentators I was reading said how John will jump from subject to subject. And he does that a good bit, but first he talks about Cain, and then he talks about Jesus, and it ties together so well. True love is known by the expression of itself in outward action. So it would be like Jesus said, you know, someday I'll give my life for you. You know, he, he, could, he could have said that, but he went to the outward action, and he gave his life for you and I. Today, I believe we are called to reproduce, if that's where we can use Christ's self-giving love in our relationship with others. When we follow the example Jesus set for us, it will leave us, our love will, call, will lead us to action. And yeah, we may never actually have to lay down our life for others. <coughs> Excuse me, But there's some less dramatic ways we can demonstrate genuine love. Are we that kind of a person? Then he paints a picture in verse 17. And what I see here is one man had what another desperately needed. But he said, no, I'm not going to give you any. He refused to lend aid. Kind of like that vacuum sweeper I talked about. Failing to fulfill its intended purpose. I, I will not give you that. And this man was failing to demonstrate his love for God. So what we need to look at, we need to be aware of the needs around us and be willing to lend a hand when and where we can. Love has compassion and meets the needs of others. Love has compassion and meets the needs of others. One cold winter morning in Birmingham, England, a Christian woman looked out her window and she seen a, a young boy outside with newspapers tucked under his arm. He was standing on, on the grate where heat came out from a local bake shop trying to keep warm and there he had no shoes and no socks. And so here she saw, she saw uh, the need and, and set, out, set out to help this young lad, took him to the apartment store and bought him a pair of socks and a pair of shoes. And he was all ready to go. And he, he turned and said, thank you to the woman for the warm, for the, the shoes and the socks. And then as he, he, he started walking off and he turned around and he said, I, I need to ask you one question. He said, are you God's wife? And, and we snicker just, and we snicker at that just a little bit. But what? A young man, a young boy. Someone just reached out to help him. She saw the need and went out and took care of that. The woman replied, no, she said, "I'm not God's wife, but I'm one of his children. And the small boy then replied, well, I knew you must be some relation to him. And that's where you and I are at this morning. We're part of God's family. You and I are called to respond as Jesus did. And there we see... With that story there, we see love in action. Now I know sometimes we, there's people that need help that we, we don't know about. So sometimes to those out, if you need help, you need to uh, let us know. Sometimes that would be good. Recently, uh, just this week, I called uh, Tony's father, Jim, and we were uh, talking a while. and He said, yeah, Tony was up after the storm cutting up a bunch of trees because the storm took a whole mess of trees down. And I thought to myself, Tony, you never told me you needed help. So sometimes, brothers and sisters, if we know we need help, we can, we can lend a hand, love and action. But there, Tony took care of it, and the gym said, It's all good, ready to go. So here we go. So sometimes it'd be nice to know if, uh, if someone needs help. And how do we love? We don't love just to be noticed. And that woman in that story, she didn't, she didn't love just to be noticed, although I think she was well-blessed when the, the young boy said, uh, are you God's wife, we don't love just to be noticed, nor to be thanked or recognized. But why do we love? Because we see the example that Jesus set, and as reflections of his, we try to mirror his example. And verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word. And you look at that for a little bit. And I believe words of encouragement can go a long way. And I know words of encouragement can go a long way. Our bulletin, encouragement costs nothing, yet is priceless. It can transform a heart full of worry into a heart full of joy and strength. And it says we are to build each other up. And amen. Words of encouragement go a long way. Verse 18 let us not love in word, neither in tongue. And let me back up. Let's be encouragers, but it says, verse 18 continues and says, "But in deed and in truth, we need to go maybe to the second level and extend our love to a higher level and as, it man- as we manifest our love in action. So it's not just merely a matter of speech, but it's also a performance that counts. Many of us run full schedules, but if you want to want to be. Feel blessed, truly blessed. Take some time out of your schedule and go help someone else with theirs. I keep myself very busy on Saturdays and continue and consider my time at home very precious. But true blessings come when we can. I can lay aside my quote projects and go help someone else with theirs. When we follow the example of Jesus, our love for others will lead us. To action. Point number four, love produces confidence. Verses 19 through 22. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, We receive of him because we we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Excuse me. So I just mentioned that when we do something for others, we feel blessed. And here John describes that feeling as knowing we are exercising true love and knowing that we are of the truth. The testimony that we're of the truth is if we obey the truth, are we following the truth? we taking God's commandments and applying them in our everyday life. It shows that we have the same interest for our brother's welfare that we have for our own. Taking the time just to reach out to others. And this is a true love that Christ had for all men. And the verse says, and we shall, it shall assure all hearts before him. So if questions arise in our conscience, whether we are living acceptably before God, or sometimes there's room for improvement, with the recollection that we obey the truth, will assure that our hearts are pleasing to God. I believe, I'm sure, our conscience speaks loudly when we miss opportunities to do good to others. And we probably all have found ourselves there. But I also believe that God doesn't want us to live with feelings of condemnation, so let's be quick to action with deeds of love and live in confidence towards God. Sometimes we need to be reminded that, that God made our hearts sensitive. And why did He make us with sensitive hearts? so we can sense wrongdoing, OK? So we know what right from wrong, why? So we can correct our behavior. And the verse goes on and says, "God is greater than our hearts and knows all things." So be quick to help out where needed. Then also, it's the confidence in verse 22 that we can have. God wants His children to be obedient, and also He wants us to feel free to go to Him with our requests. And there's a promise there, whatsoever we ask, we we shall receive of Him. And this verse is not telling us this morning that everything that we can think of will be granted to us, not that He's not giving us a blank check with an unlimited balance, But we strive to meet the conditions each and every day. We keep his commandments. And it says we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Back to our conscience. We know what pleases God. We know what doesn't. We know what is right. We know what is wrong. But our goal is to do those things that are pleasing. And our hearts should be, we should be living so that our hearts are tuned in a way that we want to please the Lord in everything that we do and everything that we say. We look at it and our love for others combined with our love for God. What's going to happen? If we have a, a love in our hearts for God and a love for others, what's the end result? And it's going to drive us to live in a way that pleases God. Exactly what we see there in verse 22. We do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Decisions, it all comes back. We, each and every day we make many. Are we doing what is right in, in, our, in God's eyes? And it starts, just continue to think about the ball and the circle that continues to roll. It starts with our devotion to God. Then we, we, we ain't, we're obedient to his commands. So we're beginning the circle. And then uh, we have a desire to please him. And we love others. And we do what is good and right and say the things that please him. And it continues and it completes the circle. And over and over again, day after day, this should be our lifestyle just to have that kind. Of mercy and compassion to others. And the point number, the fifth point, love leads us into the presence of Christ, verses 23 and the last verse, 24. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. We started in verse 11 with the command, and now here in verse 23, we see another one. Believe in Jesus Christ and love one another. Is there only two? Well, it's two main ones there, to believe in Jesus Christ and to love one another. Back up. What does it mean just to believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? What what does that entitle? What does that mean? Does it mean that... Uh, the belief in Christ is, is a sense of trusting in him, relying on him, and clinging, clinging to him. What does believing in Jesus look like to you? It's not about intellectual knowledge or understanding. Folks, it's about trust. I, I, like, I think it's when we are willing and are actually are able to lay aside our personal ambition. So this is me. This is how I would like things to go. And we take that and we lay that aside. And then instead, in the place that, we place our complete being in the care and protection of Jesus Christ. And then we take it to the final step and knowing that we have no reason for fear. We talked a little bit about about faith in our Sunday school class this morning, how Hannah, after she prayed... uh, she went home, and her, and her countenance was not sad any longer. Why? Well, her face said, God's going to take care of this. It's all good. Is that where we are at? Regardless of what we are facing, we can say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and all things work together for good to those that do. And then we, we compare our belief in Jesus Christ to the love for one another that he's, that he's asking us here, and the level of love that we see here that we, is, we can only show... through our faith and belief in Jesus Christ. Apart from that, it's not possible. So the better our understanding of Jesus Christ and the stronger our relationship with him, what is the result? It's a higher level of love that we'll be able to show to others. So it starts with first we believe in Jesus Christ and then our love for others will be put into action. Verse 24 I look at that as just a beautiful verse. When, when people believe in Jesus Christ and love others, what happens? Well, they're keeping his commandments. So here we see obedience. And the result is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. John makes it so clear. We know that he abides in us by the spirit which he has given us. Did you ever hear someone say, well, how can you know if he wants you to do this or do that? That was question was asked me many, many long time ago, and I said, well, you will know. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and His conscience, our conscience, we're guided by the Holy Spirit, and we will know by that indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So to uh, he says here, keepeth us, he that keepeth His commandment dwelleth in him. To dwell in God means that we're going to take up residence with God. So we live with God, we walk with God, and we move with God, we have our being with Him. How does this work? We're, we're completely different people because of the love of God within our hearts. 1 Corinthians ten fifteen. by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not in vain. So Paul is saying, I am because of God. And that's where I am this morning. I trust that we all are at. You might say, well, I was just born this way. Let me say before, uh, no, you weren't. It is Christ within you is is what makes you the way that you are. I believe, the fact is, our entire being changes when we meet the Lord. Why? Well, first of all, self is put to death, and that's key. Then we're under the power and direction of the Holy Spirit, as we see here in verse 24. It's out with me and in with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is the same as he was before Christ. No. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that is what I look at. It's such a beautiful picture. All things are become new because of the love of Christ within our hearts. And we are fulfilling. We can be fulfilling our created purpose. So back to this vacuum sweeper that was not doing its intended job. I pulled the back off and checked the bag. I was only like half full. And then I, I turned to sweep around to the, to the head, and I saw that you have your brushes in there, and the vacuum kicks in, and when the brushes pick up the dirt, and it goes over to the side, and there's a hole about this big around that the dirt goes back up in the bag. Simple design. Well, there was all kinds of fuzzies at that hole. The hole was clogged, so okay. You could hardly get in there, so I, I dug out a bunch of fuzzies. Okay, well, and then there's a piece of, of a plastic wrapper off of something that completely had blocked the hole. And I took that out, but then there's something else in there that didn't belong in there. Here's a big paper clip bent in an open way, and it was stuck in there. And I removed that, and yeah, sweeper sweeper began to work properly as it was supposed to. Dirt can be referred to as self in our lives. Or can we add pride? When we have when we allow self or pride in our lives, we're gonna clog up that hole. And that's gonna prevent the love of Christ from flowing through. If we are full of self and pride, we, we do not have the love we cannot allow the love of Christ within us to to flow through into others. But we need to remove that. So when we, we take care of the self and the pride in our lives. And Christ can take his place in our hearts. And what happens? Then we can be vessels for God that he intended us to be. We were created with a purpose and we can fulfill his purpose. When we are not plugged up with ourselves. And then this verse again is so beautiful. The spirit will speak to us as we go through life. The Holy Spirit is within us. We know the Holy Spirit does a number of things. He will lead us. The Holy Spirit provides clear direction for our feet. The Holy Spirit will discipline us when we need so we can stay on the straight and narrow way. The Holy Spirit will convict us when we do wrong, which, which we need. And then, in a, another beautiful way, the Holy Spirit will protect us each and every day. And you stand back and you, and you look at, at these verses, and it's all part of living with the Lord. He is our constant and permanent companion. And that is so beautiful. Remember, just a few minutes ago, we took that self and pride and we took that away. And Christ, here we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and he is our constant and our permanent companion. And in a few more promises. He says he will never leave us familiar verse. He's always infusing us with the assurance and confidence of God and with the presence of God and his power. And when we allow this to happen, then the love of God will just continue to flow. Just like the dirt now could flow back into the bag of the back and sweeper, we can continue to allow the love of God to flow within our hearts. When we follow the example of Jesus Christ, our love for others will lead us to action. In conclusion, love for others will not allow us to live with hatred. So we took that out a long time ago. Love for others will call to us to willingly sacrifice our time and resources for the benefit of others. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why did that Christian lady in England get out some of her money and go buy shoes for a boy she didn't know? It wasn't something of her own. It's the love of Christ. Love for others will produce confidence with God and love for others will lead us to an eternal home with our Savior and Lord. So let's go through life, keep self and pride out, allow love of God to flow through. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we come before you here this morning. Just say thank you, God, for the clear direction and word that you have inspired John pen I pray, Lord, we can take what we learned this morning and apply it directly to our lives. I pray our lives cannot be clogged with self and pride, but to be cleansed by the Holy Spirit and allow you, the, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, just to lead us and direct us as we go through life. Lord, I pray for each soul here this morning that we can allow your love to flow through us and we can be sensitive to the needs around us and be willing to help others as, they, as we see need. Thank you again for your word. Give us wisdom and direction as we go from here. In your name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. We have a song.